0: Charles is I guess a new friend that I've made his kids go to school with my kids he's an African that has married a Canadian lives now in Lloyd Minster and we finished the book of Jonah and kind of the book of Jonah ends on this kind of question of like should God not be concerned for people and for the world it's kind of this missionary kind of question of does God not care about people and sometimes we just live in our own little neighborhoods, like, like even Jeff mentioned there, and we just think about our own little immediate universe. But God cares for the world. In fact, um, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Not just Lloyd Minster, not just Caucasian people, not just educated people. Not, I mean, he loves everyone. And so the heart of God is a mission, a heart of, of just reaching out to, to every sector. And, and uh, for many years, it was very popular to send missionaries to Africa now the opposite is happening. A- Africans are sending missionaries to North America, and uh, it's kind of a, a weird reversal. But Charles has written a book called Africa, It's Time, and it's kind of a call to, to North Americans, but also to Africans not to forget their heritage and, you know, to kind of step it up, and, and it's a really interesting read. But so today I just thought, you know, as a kind of a missions focus, kind of as a postlude to the book of Jonah, we'd have a, an expert, uh, missiologist, and experienced um trainer of, of missionaries and pastor himself Charles Blinga comes so would you just welcome Charles Blinga as he comes and brings God's word to us <laughs> this morning yeah come on up brother
1: Is it all now? Okay. Yeah, so thank you very much, Church, and thank you, Pastor Mike, for giving me the opportunity to come and share a little bit with you. Uh, I came to Ledminster a long time ago, once in, uh, I think, 1997. Uh, I came here with uh, somebody I don't know you may know uh a man called uh, George Benton. Uh he's uh he's the uncle to Doug Benton who is the pastor of uh First Baptist. When I just arrived in Canada about 2 weeks after I arrived I went to a church uh, called Second Drive Alliance Church which uh, the Bentons were attending, and it was actually September, and I was wearing a heavy winter jacket, (laughs) Uh, and so we said hi, and they said, how come you're wearing a very heavy winter jacket? I said, I'm really freezing, (laughs) and I wasn't kidding, I was like really freezing. I didn't know what to expect uh, after that, I thought that was the real winter. And so, so they, 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 they just got interested, and they said, oh, how long have you been here? I said, uh, two weeks. Uh, so they were so kind. Like, I've never seen people connect that quickly. And they said, you know, what, what's your plan for lunch? I said, no, I'm going to my apartment to just cook something. I said, if you don't mind, come with us for lunch. So I went with them for lunch. Three days later, they came to my apartment to pick me up there, took me to their place. A uh, few weeks later, they were asking me what, what are my plans. Uh, three months later, they paid some of my school fees at the seminary. And so, and they become real family, like, like real family to me. And so. I feel honored when I'm speaking on the subject, our partnership with God. That this is a partnership that is needed. It's a partnership not only with God, but with one another. And so a week of missions is interesting because it is something that I experience over and over through the generosity of, uh, of Canadians. So. Uh, let's, let's just pray maybe before we, before we go ahead. Lord, we just uh, want to commit this time to you. And uh, I just really want to, to be here on your behalf, uh, not just to speak my own words, but something that you have given me to share with uh, your congregation. And so just use each one of us as we listen, as we share, that Lord, will be in tune with what you are doing, and that uh, we can get out of this place with something that we can think about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I've uh, chosen to speak on the subject that I've entitled, our partnership with God. We're going to look at, uh, the main text is uh, from Matthew chapter 14, (coughs) Matthew chapter 14, verse uh, 13 to 21. Are we able to have the? yes, so, and I'm using mainly NIV. Uh, This is a story that is very familiar. It's a story of uh, Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And actually, many people say it's not just (laughs) 5,000 because for some reason they did not include women and children. Uh, So it's probably even around 10,000 people, if we include everybody. But the focus is not necessarily the feeding the focus is the partnership that we find in this scripture. So I'm proposing that God has called us into partnership with him. The idea of partnership began with God. God is a God who works in a team concept. Uh, He's a God who, when he created used the term us, the we. I love the team concept. Because what one could not achieve by himself or herself, you are able to achieve as a team. And it is very interesting to see that even God himself would value teamwork. Let us make men in our own image. So he's a God who sees the value of partnership. So I'm saying here that uh, in this passage that we're looking at, Jesus is calling us to partner with him. You can put your name there. He's calling you to partner with him. It is always interesting to think, for example, why would Jesus, when he was, uh, uh, in this passage here, we see that, first of all, he hears the story of uh, something that ha- happened, and it, is, it makes him so sad that he had to withdraw to go to a solitary place. And so when we read the previous verses, we realize that this is the story of uh, John the Baptist who was beheaded for having, uh, having uh, rebuked Herod for taking his uh, brother's wife. Uh, we are told that actually Herod did not want to kill him because he was afraid that people had uh, gotten to respect John. John the Baptist, and that it was going to make too much noise, but his wife was very offended, and so his wife made up a plan, and the plan worked for him because uh, he happened to have a daughter who was a very good dancer, and Herod loved parties like we do. I think you guys like parties, don't you? I hear already there's a barbecue, and so. We, we love parties, and Herod loved not just small parties but big ones where he would invite the guests and uh, really give them a, a great time. So Herodias' girl danced so well that this guy is out of his mind. I mean, just because of a dance of a little girl, he promises up to half of his kingdom. I don't think they had many wise people at that time. (laughs) Would you do that? If you were a king, would you give half of your kingdom just because somebody danced well? Who all got the profession to be dancers? If dancing is that appealing. But that's what uh, Harold did. And uh, when he realized it, it was too late. So I'm proposing to you that when you are too excited, don't make a promise. When you are too happy, keep quiet a little bit. Because you are going to make a wrong promise. I remember my cousin in Congo, he was so excited about marrying his wife, that he promised his in-laws he was going to build them a big mansion. And he was serious. It has been 40 years. <laughs> that mansion has never been built. So when you are too excited, don't make a promise. But that's what Herod uh, did. And because he made a promise on earth, he had to fulfill it. That caused the death of John the Baptist. So when John the Baptist dies, his disciples go and tell Jesus because they knew. The relationship between uh, John the Baptist and Jesus, they were partners, and they had so much in common. Both were born miraculously. Uh, Both spoke highly of each other. Jesus spoke very highly of John the Baptist. That was the greatest man. Uh, John the Baptist was the one who prepared the way for Jesus. John the Baptist was, he said he must decrease, that Jesus must increase. John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus. So just so much in common. So when you lose somebody like that, it's a very sad time. Jesus takes time to go and mourn. Unfortunately for Jesus at this time, he had become already a celebrity. So wherever he goes, there's people following him. Where he thinks he's going to hide, people followed him. And this is where we see the partnership. Because Jesus had the right to say, you know, guys, I've just lost a very dear friend. A brother, actually. Just give me some time. Go away. He didn't do that. Not only had compassion on the people, he healed all their sick. Now, the story also comes then with the disciples of Jesus. They have just seen how Jesus had completely broken off his, uh, uh, his mourning to be able to attend to the people. But evening comes when everybody is hungry. These people have been traveling for a long time, and they are hungry. What do the disciples do? They ask Jesus to send the crowd away. I'm glad we are not the only people who have less compassion. Because this is the human nature. It started with the disciples. Remember when the kids were coming to Jesus? Send the kids away. When the crowd is coming to Jesus, send the crowd away. This is the type of humans that we are. So, Jesus says No. We are not going to send them away. These people have come all the way to come and look for us, to fellowship with us. Let's give them something to to eat. Now, he asked the the people, I mean, these are mere 12 disciples with very poor means. He asked them to be able to provide food for more than 5,000 people. And the disciples are like, are you kidding? Like, (laughs) what do you think we we make per month? They probably did not make $100 a month. That's my estimate. They didn't have much means. But again, they misunderstood Jesus. Because partnership is not about how much you have. Partnership is being willing to give what you have. It's not the amount that matters. It's a matter of the heart. Giving your best, even if your best means $2. If that's your best, it's better than $10 of somebody else who is, to him, it's an extra. So Jesus is saying, give them something to eat. And it's really kind of a test here because he's asking them to give what they have, if they can sacrifice for the sake of others. So the disciples answer Jesus in a typical way. Like, look, not even a wage, like a wage of eight months in some other uh, passages would be enough to feed all these people, but Jesus asked them, bring whatever you have. So they come up with, uh, apparently say, actually, a small boy's lunch. Some boys are wiser than adult people. I mean, this boy knew how to, I mean, I think he had a very good mother. A very caring mother. I would like this, the mother of this boy to be my mother. Because I, she knew how to pack the lunch for this boy. These other guys are just going as if it's just manna going to fall from heaven. But so, the boy's lunch, they bring it to Jesus. Jesus multiplies it, and then he's able to feed 5,000 people. So what's the the lesson? The lesson is, if we are willing to give, to partner with Jesus, with whatever skills he has given us, whatever resources he has given us, whatever gifting he has given us, all he's asking us it's not the impossible. Bring what you have and then see what I can do with that. And so the disciples bring the four loaves of bread and five fish. Jesus prays for these five loaves of bread and uh, two fish. And then it's like, I mean, bread is coming from all over the place. It's like, what's happening here? (laughs) Jesus is teaching them to say, you know, if only you can trust me what you have so often we cling to what we have thinking that God really does not have enough for us so let's let's keep what we have because we may not reach tomorrow and I'm all for serving and and planning for tomorrow but I think in North America we need to experience the room of Trusting God, that God has the best insurance than us. I don't mean to be foolish about it. I don't mean just to to ignore the fact that we need to plan, we need to save, we need to do this. But there's so much need also for realizing that God has way more. You know. I go to Africa often. And even now, anytime I go there, it's a refresher how rich I am. Because in most homes I I, I visit here, very rarely I've heard somebody pray, Thank you, God, for the provision. It's almost like it's assumed food is there. It's not just there. It is God's provision. But you go in many places in Africa, that is a daily prayer. I remember when we were missionaries in Burundi, one day, uh, we did, uh, I introduced something we called uh, Love in Action. Love in Action, we, we partnered with uh, a local businessman who had a very good uh, yard, the, the missionary from uh, Britain was saying. Uh, he had a big yard and a locked uh, fence. And so we said, can we just come here, we'll see how many poor people are here, and just feed them. Uh, so I was a chaplain at uh <coughs> a big international school. The only, actually, English boarding school in, in Burundi. And so the students were so enthusiastic about the idea. They gave up their breakfast, their bread, uh, to give to the poor. Uh, and uh, I talked to the staff. We collected some money, and we were able to put uh, cook some beans and rice and uh, other things, some vegetables, and we just went on the street. We planned to feed 50 people. But by the time we could just open slightly the door, there was more than 150 people that just slammed the door. We had to close the door. Uh, And we had a tough time closing the door because we had gone beyond our capacity. But I remember our son, Micah. He saw the kids, I mean, they could hardly wait to get hold of that pot, I mean, uh, plate of, of, of beans and rice. And he said, you know what, I'll never complain again. Because he saw kids who are his age, who have not eaten probably for two, three days. And he remembered that sometimes there's more food in the garbage here than there is in other people's homes. And so this is why Jesus is calling us to partnership. He's calling us to partnership to open our eyes within our own community and abroad that we can make a difference. Look at yourselves here. How many of you believe that if we really decided as a church we are going to adopt one community, one church in Africa for example that we can make a big difference? How many people believe that? Do you believe that? Yes. God is calling us to move a little bit out of our comfort zone and make a difference. When we did the love in action, you see children, you don't know. I mean, they are wearing a a winter jacket again. <laughs> it is plus thirty five degrees. And you think they are cold. No. This is the only shade they have. How many people have been to Africa who at least understand what I'm talking about here? Has anybody been to Africa? Okay, where have you been? Egypt? Egypt? Yes, who else? Where? Egypt? Egypt? (laughs) Guys, there's more than Egypt in Africa. (laughs) Actually, Egypt is part Africa, part Arab. Did you know that? Yeah. So, Africa means Congo. Yeah. I should <laughs> take you to Congo someday. I'm going to teach uh, leadership uh, in October, in uh, in Zambia. To the Zambia Baptist Association leaders. Uh, I read a, I wrote a book uh, called "31 Essential Principles of Leadership." So last year I went there in taught half of the the book at 16 principles so they asked me to go and finish the book. So even before I finish preaching, start thinking if you want to join me uh, on this trip. We have a project there that we are working on. Uh, They have a, a hospital. It's a mini hospital. Clinic to our standard here. And it's and people literally, they have a bed that all the strings have, they are almost all gone. And they have no mattress on that bed. Uh, so they put like a mat or something. It's, it's very difficult. You'd have to see it to see what I'm talking about. So those are some of the things that we can partner and see can we? how we can make a difference. So in this partnership with uh, God, he is asking us to give what we have. He's not asking us to give beyond what we have. If we can, that's okay. But really he's asking us to give what we have. That's why he used the, the kids' lunch. He didn't ask for what they did not have. You remember also when uh, he was going to raise Lazarus. It's interesting that he asked people to remove the stone. Because he knew that it was not really his job to remove the stone. If people can do something, they must do it. God does not use us as robots. If there's something we can do, we shouldn't ask him to do it for us. Should Jesus have to say, stone, move away? Well, he had the power to do that. But what is the partnership if he cannot ask people to remove the stone? And that's what he's asking to us. What is the stone around us that we must remove? Where are the five loaves of bread that we can bring to the table? And say, Jesus, this is what we have. Where's the two fish that you can bring to Jesus? And say, as New Life Community Church, these are the fish we have. <coughs> He's also asking us to get rid of excuses. disciples were saying, we have only five loves. We have only. Do you believe that's an excuse? Yes, it's an excuse. We have only five loves. He didn't ask them like how to bring 20 loves. He said, bring what you have. But they're saying we have only five loves. And they're wondering if five loves can feed 5,000 people. Let's get rid of excuses. What we must do, we must do. What is within our means is what we give to God. And when we do that, he has all the power. And actually, he delights in multiplication. When we give him what we have. So let's get rid of the excuses. He's asking us to simply do our part. God has already done so much of his part. He created us in his own image. It doesn't matter how you look. Did you know that he created Black people in the same image of God, just like he created white people? Supposed to be a joke. (laughs) No. (laughs) I expected you to laugh at least about that. (laughs) Yes. The Chinese are created in the image of God. Black people created in the image of God. White people created in the image of God. One kid one day asked me, like, I was working with uh, kids who are mentally challenged and things like that. He said, you know, I don't want you to be offended. But please, I just have a a question. Why are you black? (laughs) In Edmonton, one kid asked me that. So, we're just the two of us. And I said, uh, "Okay. What's the color of this chair?" Said uh, gray. Okay. What's the color of the wall? Brown. What's the color of the light? Almost yellow or white. I said, "What about your shoes?" Say black. I said, "What if?" your face was white, your clothes were white, the wall was white, the chairs were were white, the road was white, everything was white. How beautiful that is. Can you guys answer me? How beautiful that is. You think it's beautiful? No, it's not. We have to trust God that God knows Perfectly well what he does. And he creates us the best way he could have created us. I've written in my books and say, you know, if God made you a white person, be so proud. Thank you, Lord, for making me white. Just like I should be very proud. Thank you, Lord, for making me black. Because he created us in his own image. So he has already done his part. He created us in his own image. When we offended him, what did he do? He sent his own son. He sent his own son to die on the cross. With bandits around him. Can you imagine that people chose Barabbas over Jesus? Who should we free? Jesus or Barabbas? And people say, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. (laughs) Seriously? Barabbas over Jesus? This guy has not done anything wrong. Even Pilate knew that. But people chose Barabbas. God was willing to sacrifice his own son and to let people choose Barabbas over his own son, for you to be saved. He has done his part. He's the one who gives you the job. He has done his part. He's the one who provides for you. He has done his part. Sometimes we struggle giving God the tithe. It's 10%. For somebody who has already done all that he could do, for us, and continue to do more. So we don't often uh, give him what he deserves, but he's inviting us to do our part. He has already done his, and he continues to do his. We should find ways to also do our part. We must also remember that in the partnership with God, we are actually the most beneficiaries. We are the ones who get the reward. You know, if you were to give God like 500,000 dollars, do you think God is going to say, "Whoa, I'm so impressed." I' tell I was short of cash. so this is really going to help me. What is $500,000 to God? He owns everything. So he has done his part. We have to do our part. And when we do that, it is us who are rewarded. Because God owns everything. When he's asking us to give our part, he's only asking us to give our part because he wants to include us in the partnership. That is how much God is a team worker, a team builder. He wants us to be part of it. Even though he can order the stone to move, he says, remove the stone. Even though he can say, Jesus had the power to just say, you know what? How many are you here? 5,000, 10,000 bread come down. He had the power to do that. How fun is that? It's not even fun. It's not even fun, really. That's that's very ugly. And people will just be sitting there. Oh, when is the bread coming? That's what was happening with the manna. People are complaining. you are getting free manna, and they're complaining. <laughs> that's the human nature. But he wants us to be involved, so that we can also partner with him in what he's doing. So how can we practically partner with God in our own circle here? Some of you have the gift of encouragement. When was the last time you wrote a note of encouragement to somebody? When was the last time you were Tim Horton? And you just felt, you know what, the next person, I'll pay his coffee. When was the last time? When was the last time you made a homeless person feel that he's also worthy? That he's also created in the same image of God, just like you are. In my book Africa's time, I asked one of the questions I asked is, are the poor as human as we are? Sometimes is I mean in Africa this, that's that's exactly how it is. They make the servants, the poor, feel like they they are less human. One day we were uh, often, I mean we gave every Sunday Uh, a day off for our cook can you imagine we had a cook there we had a servant it felt like wow we are really important here (laughs) anyway we used to give our cook uh, a a day off on Sunday so (coughs) we come from uh, the chapel and so I said to our our house guard there you have to have a house guard It's just not safe. I said, Eric, come and for lunch with us. Eric refused completely. I said, Eric, no, come for lunch with us. No, I'm going to make something here. He said, no, no, Eric, we're going to have a very good lunch. So we want you to join us. He refused until I said, now I'm not giving you an option. I'm going to be a little bit of a dictator right now. You are coming with us, whether you like it or not. (laughs) So who can tell me? Do you think he was not happy to come? Do you think he just did not want to come? No. Because society there tells him that he's not worthy to go to lunch with his employer. And I saw that because when we get went to the restaurant, somebody spoke to him in Kirundi He's like, Eric, what are you doing here? What, what makes you think you should come and eat with your bosses? And I saw him looking down. But we had to tell him, you know what, Eric, you may be paying your wage. You are as much valuable as uh, all of us. This man, we improved his condition to the point that our son Elijah, when he scored number one in his class, he didn't worry about showing us the the report card. He ran to go show Eric the report card as if (laughs) Eric was now his father than (laughs) I was to him. Because Eric had shown him all the luck. It tells me that, you know, we need to do our part. Let the poor know that you are not better than them. That they also matter to God. Find ways that you can share a meal with them. In his culture, Eric was told, if he wants to speak to us, he stands at the door... And then he's communicating to us. And so we had to tell him, no, no, come, let's sit down in the living room and then tell us what you want to tell us. And so we had to change different things to be able to, to help him. One day we had been there for almost six, w- six weeks. And I said to Eric, like, how come you haven't gone home to see your family? Because his family was in the, in the mountains. Uh, He said, oh, no, it cost uh, the equivalent of $6 to go see his family. So for $6, he had to save for three months to be able to get like $2 every month to be able to have enough to go see his family. So I said, uh, Eric, how about to take care of your transportation cost so that you can go at least every, every month? He's like, oh, so what's the arrangement? You're going to cut from my pay? I said, you don't have enough for me to be able to cut. <laughs> 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 yeah, so but he was so surprised, but I'm telling you, he ended up giving us the service, like five-star kind of service, because he was grateful for what? the kind of services that uh, we're able also to give to him. So we can make a difference by simply doing what we are supposed to do. In this partnership with God and with one another, it is a role that each one has to, to play to make the team work. I am a beneficiary of many Canadians who have made a difference in my life. I graduated without a student loan. Because two families in Saskatoon just took me in and, and really blessed me. Took me in like, just like their own parents. I mean, they are like my own parents and, and made a difference in my life. And so because of people like that, when I was passing a church in, uh, <coughs> in Youngstown There was a man by the name of Goodbrand, who was actually older than my father. Every single Monday when we had a day off, uh, Monday was my day off. He took me out either for breakfast or lunch. Every single Monday. I'm just wondering who does that for Pastor Mike here. You guys take him for lunch? Mr. Goodband did that for me. I hope we can find somebody to do that for a pastor. But we also not, not just did not enjoy only the lunch. I told him, you know, I don't know the culture here. The culture of the farmers was different than the culture that I was used to in Edmonton. First, I'm already new in Edmonton. Now, going to Youngstown was way new. I'm talking to people it's like oh uh, are you I, I, are you branding I'm like okay what's branding <laughs> uh, okay uh, I think I I'll start carving now oh carving like so wh- what's that and and I mean it was almost like it wasn't pure english it was like a different language but Mr Goodbrand taught me how to to adjust the culture and I asked him to critique my sermons and he faithfully did that in a gentle way in a loving way. So he ended up, I was the pastor there, but he was really my mentor and helped me adjust to the culture, adjust to to life there. One day I said to him, you know, you told me that, uh, you guys told me that I should be visiting people. I make them a phone call and say, you know, I'm coming to visit. And they say, okay, we invite you. But they never invite me. He said to me, you know what, this is a different culture than uh, the culture in the city. If you want to invite somebody, do like you do in Africa. Just go show up to their home. (laughs) I said, really? (laughs) I can be an African here. (laughs) So (laughs) I showed up to this farmer's uh, farm. And, I mean, the one who was not coming even like for two, three months was becoming Coming at the church faithfully now because he wanted to tell everybody, Oh, the pastor came to visit me. We would have a very good visit. I wouldn't know this if it wasn't for Mr. Goodbrand. So ask yourself in the partnership with God and with one another, what role are you playing? It's not enough just to attend the church. Ask yourself, what are you doing? Who can I bless within the church too? Bless one another. Make family here. This is actually your real family. In Christ, we are more than just the natural family. This is the family that costs the blood of Jesus. We We are united by the blood of Jesus. So treat one another. Surprise one another, counsel one another, mentor one another. Do fellowship together. I mean, you're a good size here, but make an effort to know almost everybody. You can't be a friend to everybody the same way, but at least know a few people. Welcome strangers. Find immigrants that, that you can... Make them feel at home. Uh, I run Christian Immigrant Support Services. One time in Edmonton, uh, we did the matching of new immigrants and Canadians uh, born. And we had 30 families that do the matching. Even now, those families, many of them, are still uh, together as, as a team. Some of the people that were matched. Within a short time, they knew the culture a little bit better and they were able to do well uh, because of the help of uh, people who are Canadian born. You know, when people come new, we don't know something, many, many things. When I first arrived here, uh, I was in Saskatoon. I went to catch a bus. Uh, I was coming from Zambia at that time, I left Congo as a refugee and I was in Zambia as a refugee. Uh, and so, I arrived in Zambia, we used to, uh, even in Congo too, you enter the bus and there's a conductor who comes to collect the money. So, in Saskatoon, I just went and sat down. <laughs> I'm waiting for the conductor to come and collect the money. And so, the bus driver realized that I didn't pay. Hey man, c- come, come here. He said, "You have to pay. This is not free." I said, "But where's the conductor?" <laughs> it's like, uh, "What what conductor? Who collects the money?" He said, "Do you see this hole here? <laughs> this is where you put the money." I didn't know that <laughs> you can pay the bus fare in a hole, small hole there. I didn't know that. I was told that. Uh, uh, the cold keeps everything fresh. So somebody gave me very nice ripe bananas. <laughs> what did I do? I had enough food. I put the bananas, ripe bananas, on the balcony. 30 degrees. <laughs> I went to check the bananas like three hours later. They were blacker than I am black. <laughs> I didn't know, but through the partnership, I began to understand a few things. I was uh, in Dr. Schmidt's house, and I was spending a night there. That's one of my families that also that took me in. And uh, it, we get to about uh, we used to listen the together's gospel every single night I was there and we sing along. It was just the most wonderful time. And at around 11 p.m., I mean, he was an old man. He says, Charles, I think I'm going to hit the sack. I said, oh, my goodness. What has made him so mad that he's going to hit the sack? We've just been having a good time. Why is he so mad that he has to hit? And what did the sack do to him? (laughs) I said, what do you mean? oh, I'm tired, I'm going to sleep. I said, is that what you meant? <laughs> I said, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> hitting the sacks." like, oh, wow. <laughs> so certain things you don't know. Well, just like if you go to Africa, you need somebody who can help you. So every one of us, find something that God has put in you to make a difference in this world. We owe to what God has done for us to make a difference, to be partner with Him in changing Lloyd Minster. Trust me, the many people I see here, you can make a difference in Lloyd Minster. How many believe that? Do you think we can? Yes. The amount of people we are here, we can make a difference. So let's start thinking outside the box. Do things that we are doing well here, but also once in a while, have a, a team that can just think and say, what else can we do? What, what else can we do to make a difference in our community? Who are the homeless here? Who are the people that uh, are widowed here? Who are the, 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 the children that are in a very difficult family situation? that we can care for. Can we have a soccer team? Can we, can we, we've talked with Pastor Mike here about possibly one day just have a soccer team for, for the community. Soccer is very, very cheap. It's not as expensive as hockey. So we can, we can, yes, did you know that? <laughs> yeah. So we can, we can also be a, a, a minister to the community. Because I believe that uh, as much as the spiritual is important and should be a cornerstone, the gospel is holistic. The gospel is the gospel that when Jesus sees people who are hungry, he doesn't just say, sit first there, listen to the gospel, somehow, miraculously, you get fed, also physically. No, he performs a miracle, they eat first, and then he can preach to them. Let's be holistic, so that for, for the hungry, we give them food. After they have eaten, give them the gospel. The aim is that the gospel must be the priority, but we have all heard. If the French said "le ventre famine n'a pas a stomach that is empty or hungry. It has no ears. Nah. It can't hear. And So let's make a difference. Uh, my challenge to you is that you also take care of your pastor. You are already doing that. I know that. But surprising. Be the Mr. Goodbrand to him like uh, Goodbrand was to me in Youngstown. That man made a difference. Anytime I happen to have a dream about him, it's a good dream. Because I think of all the good things he did for me. A man that loved me just like I was his own son. And really helped my ministry. Be that to somebody. Not only to your pastor, but to other people in the church. To the young people. Who are the people mentoring the young people here? You know, the problem we have in the Western world today, unlike the way I grew up, is that family is only mother and father and just your children. Where I grew up, it was your neighbor is your mother, just like your own mother. If she found you doing something wrong, she could discipline you, then report later. Did anybody grow up in that kind of situation before? Was it ever here uh, like that here? Maybe not. But that's how we, we, we grew up. But we can do that as a church. I don't mean going to abuse somebody <laughs> and thinking that uh, you have the power. No, you don't have the power. But, but let's be family and make a difference. Let's be a team. God expects you to make a difference first within the body. Jesus said that when we love one another, that's when the world will know that we are who? His disciples. So let's partner with God. Let's partner with one another. Let's see the need in our Lord Mr. here, and make a difference as a church. Once we have done that, let's think beyond if you're interested again in talking to me about uh, the project we have in in Zambia uh, end of October uh, let, let's talk about it you can talk to me through your pastor and if I would love to have a team of 10 people we go and make some repairs in that hospital and and just place a church maybe that that could be A change that you guys can adopt and say, you know what, will make a difference here. When you bless other people, they are blessed, but you are blessed even more. May God bless you as you think of being his partner and partner to one another.